You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show, the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. Just go ahead and leave a message. I'm not going to pick up and be like, who's this? What do you want? Just leave a message. Give me your thoughts, your feelings, your deepest and darkest desires. Um, or you can you can talk about football if you want. It's up to you, really. But anyways, we don't have any new callers today, so we're going to start off with uh, Mr. Ryan Santos. Hey, what's up, Ryan? Uh, Ryan Santos here. What's up, man? Um, game in it a while ago. I took some time to just kind of calm down before I called. Uh, didn't want to, um, be too emotional during the call. And I think that at this point, you know, I, I, I think a lot of us are in the same boat here. Uh, our team just isn't good. Uh, and it isn't good for a variety of reasons. One of the things that I got frustrated with tonight is that it was just, if one part of the game got better, other parts got worse, right? Um, first, it was, you know, the running game was looking good, right? Um, but then we had the penalties, making bonehead penalties and, you know, essentially not not walking away with points. And then when it wasn't that, it was, you know, that crazy interception that Jordan Love threw. Um, or when the defense was doing well, the offense was stalling out, going through and out, not going anywhere. And then, you know, we had receivers or we had pass catchers making great passes. But then when it was time to really secure the ball or, you know, catch those passes. Um, the final drive in the fourth quarter, you know, we've got Musgrave dropping a pass. We've got, uh, who, who was it? Was it Jalen Reed? No, 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 it was Dobbs and Musgrave dropped passes. And, you know, so, you know, we finally got a little bit of tempo. We're moving the ball. And then Jordan Love throws another, you know, the dagger pick. And, you know, uh, and, and, and sprinkled in there was Matt LaFleur's questionable play calling, um, you know, uh, just classically not putting uh, players in the positions to succeed. Um, it's it's just a mess, man. It's just, you know, I honestly don't know where to start. Um, I didn't even mention the offensive line and how we allowed a single pass rusher who everyone knew we had to stop. 
literally wreck the game for us. I, I, I think, what did he have? Like four or five sacks and four or five tackles for loss. Anyways, it's just bad. Um, I am going to stop convincing myself that this team is even average. I, this team is not even a 500 team. Um, or whatever 500 would be with the 17 game season. Uh, this team, um, isn't the worst team. At least I don't think so. Um, but if we looking at the last week, you know, it's, we're down there. So, um, for me, I think I'm just going to be, uh, kind of convert to a casual, just watch the season. You know, like today I was, I was upset that we lost because of the way we lost, but at some point in the game, I knew we were going to lose and I accepted that. And I think I'm going to have to do that for the rest of these games. Just, you know, the only game on our schedule that I would literally just, <laughs> I, I would throw part two. I don't think I've ever been caught up by the voice. <laughs> I need to say less, say more with less, but if the Broncos have a get right game, uh, and Mr. Unlimited puts up 30 points on us and mm-hmm. I, and our, our run game looks like straight trash. I am going to flip my SHIT. I'm not even joking. Um, I know this isn't a hot seat year for Matt LaFleur, um, and it shouldn't be. Right. Um, but if this is where the season's going to go, if we keep putting up performances like this, um, then maybe it needs to be. Because I can think of, of, of a lot of coaches that got a brand new team, you know, um, and let's just say this is brand new because Aaron Rodgers is going and there was some turnover or whatnot. First year starter quarterback. But other coaches that have been in this position are just brand new higher coaches that have put up better performances or, or at least better efforts in the first season. And the first person that comes to mind is Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell has had that team, uh, which was once a very subpar team of talent, right? They're not, they don't have the most talent right now, but it was worse. But he had them playing hard. They were in games. They were putting up points. They were, you know, giving teams hell um, in his first year. And so what I see when I look at this Packer team is just passive. I want to say it's finesse, but there's no finesse. There's no aggression. Um, even when our pass catchers catch the ball, it looks like they're falling all over the place and they're clumsy. And, you know, we look at other teams, and I feel like these pass catchers, they – they catch the ball and they're moving. They're in stride. They're gone. They're juking. They're up the field. I mean, we catch a ball. Musgrave's falling all over the place. Um, just, I don't know, man. Just, uh, let me just go ahead in this call, man. Love to hear your thoughts. Pick anything that I said. And I probably listed about 13 or 15 different things. So, love to hear from you. Bye. Well, I mean, the, the only thing I can say in summary, it's funny when, whenever there's a long call sometimes i'll pause and kind of go through but sometimes it's like my wife when she'll send me like seven text messages in a row and i'll just respond to the last one like you need to slow down (laughs) what about everything else i said i don't know send it again one at a time because i'm not responding all that um but I, i i guess in summary it's similar to what i said with joe barry who's getting better which player right now can we look at and be like dude things are improving this guy's becoming good I mean, that, that's, that's a classic thing that happens for a lot of players over time. They improve. I mean, it's just, it's a basic 
It's a basic expectation. People improve over time. As they get more time in the system, as they they spend more time with an army of coaches whose entire job is to make you better than when you walked into the league, a newborn babe, who's improving? I mean, Romeo Dobbs hasn't improved since he's stepped foot in the league. I'm not trying to pick on Dobbs. I'm just saying. I mean, he's kind of the same guy that we saw. Christian Watson... um, it's been just a couple games, but we're clearly not getting the best out of him because we've seen him at his peak, and he is an elite, um, uh, what's the best way to put it, uh, asset, I guess, in terms of what he can provide. The offensive line, we know pretty much across the board, with maybe the exception of Rasheed Walker, we know that we've seen better out of them, that nobody there is improving. I mean, there are certain guys that walked into the league like Zach Tom and were just impressive. Okay, take the second step. Actually, we're going to go backwards. Okay. Has Mus- I mean, I, I know he's a rookie and these things take time, but has Musgrave improved? I mean, we, we saw, I, I think I had more hope for him in week one when there were all these, he's wide open for like two 50-yard touchdowns and Jordan just missed him. And I'm like, dude, this guy's going to be huge. And now all of a sudden, all we get are these little dink and dunks. Like what happened to the big play Musgrave? We don't need some elite speed guy to catch a little screen pass. I mean, it's nice if he can turn the corner and kind of get up the field. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but the heck is the point of having one of the fastest tight ends in football if you're just going to use him on one-yard passes? And again, maybe, maybe this is, you know, Matt LaFleur reeling back in because of the deficiencies of Jordan Love. I don't know, but where, where, where are the improvements? I mean, even Jordan. I mean, clearly there was improvement from when he came into the league, but is he, is he tapped out? Is this it? Because he's worse now than he was in week one. And that's that's the thing that's just so frustrating is the offensive line was elite. Jordan Love looked great. Romeo Dobbs looked incredible. Aaron Jones was tip-top. I mean, this team was freaking humming in week one. And now, what, the defense has just figured us out after one week and and that's it? And I know it was the Bears and I know that they struggled, but you still had to throw the passes and catch the passes. You still had to call the plays that had guys wide open. You still had to do those things. Where are those things? A.J. Dillon has gone backwards. Even, I mean, the fact that we're all praising Dillon after that last performance, which was still a subpar performance, compared to, like, a good performance, it wasn't that. Three point some odd yards per attempt. I mean, even for A.J. Dillon, that's a massive step back. Again, I still don't know exactly where the blame lies. I'm sure, like most things, it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's hard to know because I'm not in the meeting rooms. I don't know what conversations are being had about... You know, what do we do about this and that? I mean, obviously, the, the, the coaching staff has had to make adjustments with things that are causing problems. You know, you, you come into the, the season with certain expectations, and then you don't meet those expectations, and then you have to make changes because, well, I guess we can't run anymore. And, you know, Jordan's struggling with accuracy with the deep passes, so we probably shouldn't do that so much anymore. Well, now what are you? Now you're a team that runs the ball and throws screen passes because, I mean, you got to run the ball sometimes, and... I mean, we got to complete passes. And that's what everybody was skewering Matt LaFleur for prior to. Like, why are you throwing the ball so deep down the field? And, and you know, sort, sort of like making Jordan Love struggle. Okay, fine. I'll reel it back in. Well, now your play calling sucks. Now you suck as a play caller. You're an idiot. You should be fired because you can't call plays. Like, bro, <laughs> what do you want me to do? I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I, again, all I can say is it's it's up to the coaching staff to figure something out. And, and the fact that there's been such regression 
I mean, listen, if if it's Butkus that's causing problems on the offensive line, which I mean, I, I'd I'd be surprised if that was the case because what are they doing that's so fundamentally different? What is Butkus doing that's coming in like, listen, don't listen to anything Stenovich or Matt Lafleur or anybody has ever told you. We're going to do things completely different now. We're going to change the way you do things, and it's going to be awful. Like, I just I don't think that's the thing. It's just he's just coming in, going, yeah, let's just keep doing what we've been doing. You know, running the drills and. The, I mean, obviously, the the one thing that could be a negative is the preparation. You know, part of the offensive line coach's job is to come in and, and understand the tendencies of guys like Aiden Hutchinson and say, you know, based on how he plays, you know, you, you need to set this way. You need to look for this, watch for this. And if he can't do that very well, then maybe that's part of the problem. I don't know. But for crying out loud, I mean, Matt, what what do you, you're the offensive guru, right? What do you need Stenovich for? Not much? Great. Send him back to the offensive line. I'm not even saying officially, just unofficially. I want you to primarily focus on the offensive line. Let me handle the rest of the stuff. That's, I mean, it's, it's, that, that is where everything starts. That's, that is number one. I mean, that's what I would be working. I mean, if nothing else during the bye week, Steno, I want you to spend the entire time or at least a very long time looking at the offensive line and identifying what the problems are and fixing them immediately. And if the problem is Butkus and the preparation, and you know, I, I mean, sit down with him. What did you talk about? What was the plan coming into this game? Oh, that was the plan? That was stupid, and here's why. Listen, then, then, then our offensive coordinator goes back to essentially being the offensive line coach. He can keep the title, but until we can replace Butkus next year, or, you know, if we have somebody this year, we think, but probably not, you are an offensive coordinator with a massive emphasis on offensive line because it's way too critically important to not have that figured out. And obviously, it's just not figured out right now. So, I mean, and again, I'm just throwing things out there, man. We all are. We're all just throwing things out there. I mean, I, I think whenever stuff like this happens, we all kind of pick a thing. You know, like when it was defense, it was Joe Barry, or it was the the players, or it was the safeties, or it was this, or it was that. We all just pick a thing and latch on and say, that's the thing, and then we beat it with sticks. And, and none of us freaking know. You don't know, I don't know. Matt LaFleur needs to be fired. Well, you don't know that, that he's the problem. Well, you know, Jordan Love is the problem or the the whatever else. You know, the wide receivers are the problem. I'm I, Again, I don't know. Maybe, 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 maybe. I'm just throwing crap out there. Maybe the locker room is spiraled and guys just don't care. Maybe they're too young. Maybe it's inexperienced. Maybe they did it. Again, the only thing I ever do on this podcast is try to figure out what makes the most sense. What makes more sense than everything else? It might only be 10%, but it's more than everything else. But I don't know. I don't know. Um, we just got to take it one at a time and, and start to figure out, you know, I mean, obviously you could really go in depth and, and start looking at changes that the team is making and, and try to deduce why they're making these changes and what the negative ramifications of these changes are and, you know, really just start to tear it apart that way. But even then, we're, we're only kind of inching closer to the answer without ever really knowing the answer. And the only way we're going to get that is to ask the coaches who are not going to give us the answer. So you're stuck with me and my guessing <laughs> and, and the caller's guessings. Well, Ryan, we just suck. Yeah. I mean, this is the most frustrating team to watch. I don't understand how... Half the plays, we can look like a top-five team, and half the plays, we look like the worst team in football. I mean, this team... Well, that was what's frustrating about this game. I don't think there was a moment where I felt like we were a top-five. I mean, every week prior to this Raiders game, yeah. I mean, the second half, we look elite. The first half, we look like garbage. 
there was never i mean maybe i was just fell asleep at one point i don't know there was you know it's, it's like when people call in they're like well jordan had highs and lows i didn't see the highs i didn't see the offense doing anything the, the best thing that i saw from the offense was we ran the ball right and we were getting about four yards per clip which is good enough for a first down which is not massively impressive to me i mean there was there was nothing there was never a moment where i was like dang here we go let's go there's nothing it was it was at best functional at certain points where they could actually move the ball a little bit but there was never a point where i felt comfortable like okay now now we got it now we're looking good this is like the old by old i mean like what we saw several weeks ago uh the old packers team that i'm excited about or whatever it was just there was nothing and that's why like i said by the end of the the game i didn't I mean, I shouldn't say I didn't want to win, but I felt sick about the fact that we were about to win that game because it's like, there's no way. I mean, I was stunned because at no point were we the better team in this game. Not that the Raiders necessarily were great, but that's kind of the point, isn't it? They're horrible at football. And they were better than us pretty much the entire game. It gave me hope and then crushed it about six times during that game last night. Um, And I... I thought all three of the picks were Jordan Hose's fault. At least two were. The tipped one, maybe not. Maybe I still think he should have thrown that ball. But yeah, I mean, it, it's his fault in say in so far as it was a terrible decision to throw the ball. But it wasn't like he threw it to a defender. I mean, you know, tipped passes could go either way. I mean, that that could fall. I mean, there's tip passes that fall incomplete all the time. So whether or not you call that the quarterback's fault or just random chance, but still, those are three ill-advised throws, two of them right into the hands of defenders. Um, one of them he shouldn't have thrown anyways, and for that reason, it's his fault. I don't know. At least the other two are his fault. Um, and I just, I don't know. I'm losing optimism. I've, I've said, oh, these are growing pains, but they're only growing pains if you grow. Exactly. And I mean, we'll see how we how we do coming out of the bye. But I just I don't understand. We're playing the like one of the worst teams against the deep ball, and then I don't think we tried Christian Watson until the fourth quarter. It was at least late in the third, and then we had a connection. And I mean, should have had a couple others if we could just complete a damn pass. So I don't know. Just not much to be hopeful about. I mean, we're getting all these sacks, but our defense is so frustrating. We just can't get off the field on third down. Right. They they have some great plays. They they play pretty good for large chunks of the game, but it's just every third down, they just don't know how to get off the field. Yeah, this is Dom Capers and all over again. I already called once, complained about the coverage. I just thought run defense was a little better, but I don't know. I don't know what we do. I hope what Mount 4 does, because I don't know. Anyway, go pack go. Yeah, this is exactly Dom Capers' defense. <laughs> it's, it's like no difference to it, in my opinion, just in terms of like what it feels like to watch it. it, it it's Dom Capers' defense, except he Dom Capers had excuses because Dom Capers had no talent on that team. There was nothing there for him to work with. I mean, he had like toward the end of washed up Clay Matthews and and Mike Daniels was like the only thing that worked on that freaking defense. Ah. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, I, again, what do you do? What what is the thing that you trust? Right? You you mentioned like well they're bad against the deep pass, which I mean I I don't know I didn't notice that, but 
let's just assume that that's the case. That's that's their big struggle is is against deep passes. Is that what you want to do? That's the one thing Jordan can't do. Like I said, over over ten yards, he was what two for eight, and two picks. I mean that that's that's horrifying. You want to know why the game plan didn't work? You want to attack down the field with a quarterback who was two for eight and two picks on passes beyond nine freaking yards? I mean, what 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 do you do? You have a, you have an offensive line that can't run block. You have a running back that can't run. You have a quarterback that can't throw beyond nine yards. What what is your game plan? I don't know. I don't know what the game plan is. Um. And again, I, I seemingly nobody's open anymore, but I don't know. Um. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, 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 there's, there's no answers, and I, I'm, I'm sorry that I keep saying the same thing, but I mean, you guys are calling in with the same thoughts, and so I, I, I'm running out of things to say about it. But, but again, it, it just comes down to it's, it's, it's an evaluation thing, and we need to try our best to figure out who is doing their job and who is not. That's for the coaches and for the players, um, because right now, unfortunately, what it seems like is the only people that actually or doing anything on the team are the game wreckers, right? There's no scheme that's like making guys look good. You just got individuals that take things into their own hands are the only ones that are actually doing anything. You know, we're, we're not scheming anything offensively or defensively. Who 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 is doing anything other than guys like Rashawn who just are are wrecking games by himself? You think scheme is causing Rashawn to get sacks? No, it's just Rashawn being Rashawn. Do we have do we have a running scheme that just makes you know like you see with San Francisco? I mean, San Francisco doesn't have good offensive linemen, but they find ways to get these guys. It doesn't matter who's running there, right? You saw that in Minnesota. You saw it in all kinds of places where it's like you can stick anybody back there, and they're doing a good job running. We we have to have Aaron Jones. Why? Because we need guys that can overcome scheme, that can overcome bad situations. If you're not a guy that can overcome bad situations, you're not going to make it in Green Bay. That's a major problem. It's a major problem. Anyways, why don't we take a quick break, and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. 
Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Good morning, Ryan. Hey. Mike Ebreen, a.k.a. Packers Superfan. What's going on, man? Hey, Ryan. Uh, I think, you know, obviously today's a tough day to see that last night and how things went and kind of the trend line to where this team is. I think, you know, I... I after I had had a chance to sleep on it this morning, I was doing a lot of thinking while I was listening to your podcast. And I think, you know, this all goes back to, you want to know where this train's kind of went off the rails? This all goes back to when the Packers made that fateful decision to give Aaron Rodgers that, that big contract a couple <laughs> years ago. That was the, um, that, that was the that moment. That has to be one of the single most devastating decisions in this Packer, in Packer history. I mean, the guy was just come off of two MVPs. Um, you know, you had Jordan Love ready to go, or at least you thought you did. Um, and, you know, to give him that huge contract just delayed the whole process. It delayed everything. It delayed everything a year. So now here we are, you know, we're, we're questioning whether Love is the guy which is fair at this point. I'm off that bandwagon, by the way. Yeah. And I was a huge supporter of Jordan Love. Um, you know, it delayed that decision by a year. I mean, we could have traded Rodgers when he was at the height of his value, gotten a lot more picks. Um, we could have started the process right away to find out two things. Number one, is Matt LaFleur the guy? Because as we can see, you know, it's it's becoming more and more clear to me that a lot of people were saying maybe Rogers is covering up a lot of things for Matt Lafleur, and I, you know, and I always resisted that. But I, I'm wondering it myself now. Okay, so it delayed that process. It also delayed the the giving can the opportunity so we could understand what we had. Could have been we could have had this done last year. Understood he wasn't the guy and moved on. Here we are now, a year and a half into this, and and we've got no resolution. In fact, you know, everything's just unraveling at this point. I mean, last year, I was starting to question LaFleur last year. Uh, this, and it, it isn't scheme. It has nothing to do with his scheme. His scheme is sound. Yeah. His scheme is fine. That's not the issue. Right. It's, it's, it's the, all the other responsibilities that come with coaching. 
It's, it's managing the team, developing the culture, picking the right defensive coordinator, not sticking with the wrong defensive coordinator. It's all those other things that a coach has as his responsibility in an organization. Not the scheme. Same thing with Joe Barry. It's not a scheme that's the problem. The problem is he's... Yeah, you get cut off. We'll get to a second one in a second. But, I, I mean, that, and, and that's what I said about Matt LaFleur is he's, he's kind of on thin ice as it is because there's always been questions. And I, I have questioned this entire time every aspect of being a coach aside from his ability as an offensive play caller. Now, the reason I'm not jumping on him as a play caller is for the same reason I wasn't jumping on the offensive line. Prior to this last game, he was considered a genius. Prior to this last game, he was going to win offensive uh, or the uh, coach of the year. You watch J.T. O'Sullivan, and basically he's just talking about how Matt LaFleur is making Jordan Love look good by by scheming everybody open and just brilliant play calling, and he loves the play designs. He loves this. He lo- And one bad game, which we don't even know if it was bad scheme or bad play calling. It might have just been bad execution. It might have been Jordan Love not pulling the trigger. Everybody wants Matt LaFleur fired, and I'm not jumping on hot take bandwagons just because everybody's being emotional. Um, but I do agree with you, Mike, that, like I said... This is your the only reason you're here. Because, I've, I mean, I've always mocked the team in terms of their... I mean, it, it, listen, he's a soft coach. I, I don't... I've said before, I don't really think people massively respect him. And I think Aaron Rodgers has kind of made hints toward that um, in terms of, you know, being respected. Um, I, I, I think they like him. I think they like Matt LaFleur. I think Matt LaFleur is a nice guy. But I, I just think that there's somewhat of a deficiency um, in terms of I think he's the kind of guy that people can run roughshod over. I think people, certain personalities will walk all over him. Um, and again, this is why I worry about the team on the road, especially after long breaks. You know, I mean, how many times have you heard me criticize the decision to go out, you know, after they broke curfew and got obliterated the week before when they went out to California or whatever it was and were out drinking and doing all kinds of stupid stuff, rather than address the team head on, he, you know, I'm sure he made some kind of a, a, a sweeping speech about, you know, you, you we, we hold a higher standard here or some BS. Then the next week, we, we'd alter our schedule to hide from the problem so that we go out a day later. I mean, I just, I find that to be bullcrap, dude. That's bullcrap. We're not ad- addressing issues head on. We're, we're hiding from them. And yeah, I mean, we've never had, I mean, again, with this whole player-led, well, everybody knows that culture is player-led. Come on, man. As if the coaches don't facilitate it. You're telling me in Detroit that that just the players just erupted into this great locker room and had nothing to do with the head coach? Give me a freaking break. You're telling me out in Colorado that what they got out there has nothing to do with the coach? That's player-led? Grow up, dude. I understand that, that, that it's, it's um, player-led in terms of, you know, what, what, once you build it, you let it go. But you have to build it. You have to create the environment. So, I, I mean, again, I like him as an offense, and if he can be that offensive play-calling wizard, great. And, and again, that's why I like the Rich Passaccia thing. Bring him in, give him the title, let him be that guy that, that kind of can whip things into shape maybe a little bit better. 
freaking let him lead team meetings. I don't give a crap. And you just go into your lab and, and draw up plays. Whatever it is. But if you're just an offensive coordinator, that's a problem. There's a lot more to being a head coach. You know, and, and, and listen, I think he makes good decisions. I think that's been um, more or less verified in terms of making the right decision on fourth down and these kinds of things. I think he does a good job. There's things like that that I think are going well. And I'm not even necessarily saying I know that these things are problems, but I haven't been impressed. I haven't been impressed. And so you, your reason for being here is that you're one of the offensive gurus of the league. And if you lose that, you, you're going to... I mean, I, I, there's nothing left to support. There's nothing left to support. So I'm not giving up on him as a play caller. I think that's silly. Um, you know, even, even if that, that game was his fault, you don't get fired because of one bad game. That's nonsense, too. But I don't know. I don't know. Um, again, it's, it's, it's a short leash, I think, for that reason. Because it's just, and, and the, the other thing is, it's a young team. So if you're going to make changes, now's the time, you know? It's not like with Aaron Rodgers where it's like, this is our short window. We can't be making changes at coaches right now. Like we, 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 we can't be rebuilding in certain areas. Now, now is the time to rebuild. Now is exactly that time. We got to figure out who's the right person and who's not. Now, understand, there are horrific coaches out there. There are guys who can't call plays, who can't make decisions, who can't lead locker rooms, who are not very well liked. There are terrible coaching candidates out there. And we have one of the more respected offensive minds as our head coach. So please do not be flippant about just fire him because I'm mad. Not that you're the one making the decision anyways, but just understand how much worse this can get if you take away his offensive creativity, and he does have offensive creativity, and we've seen it all year, aside from this last game, and maybe even in this last game, I don't know. Because again, it's hard to know when the ball doesn't get thrown what the ex the expectation of that play was. Right? So, I don't know. Name one player that Joe Barry has developed <laughs> in the last three years. Name one player on that defense that's improved since they were drafted. That's what I'm or saying. Or picked up on free agency. The only person I could even think of is is maybe Razul. Razul. Well, and and you can say Razul or or Devondre, but they came into the they came into this team immediately. I mean, unless he developed them in eight seconds, it's hard to call it development. Especially since I mean, their first year might have been their best year. I mean, you know. Seems to me that just the way Joe Barry plays suits their um, ability more. And and if we want to give Joe Barry credit for that, then we have to detract from Joe Barry on guys like Darnell Savage, guys like Kenny Clark, who went backwards, you know? So yeah, I'm in agreement. Come on. Push play. There we go. I mean, seriously. Kenny Clark... Joe Barry's had no no impact on his play. A negative I mean, impact, maybe. Just go through the list. Just, you know, I just I just challenge anybody. Tell me. Maybe Rudy Ford, maybe. But again, he kind of came into this. I mean, it's one of those things we ju we just keep throwing crap at the wall. Rudy Ford was one of those things we threw at the wall and it stuck. It's not like he was this developmental guy. I mean, everybody is what they were when they got here. I mean, there's got to be an example of somebody who has gotten better. 
Like, I, I, I don't just mean like the second we came in here and implemented a new scheme, people are like, oh, this works better for me. I'm talking about like year one compared to year two compared to year three, we're seeing consistent growth. There's nobody. I mean, I, I, honestly, on the entire team, I'm trying to think of a single person. Who is a single person? Zach Tom isn't better. I mean, I, I think Myers and Myers was the one guy who took a step from year one to year two and has regressed in year three. This is his worst year. So that, that was somebody that maybe seemed like he was going in that direction. Maybe Elton Jenkins. But again, where are we at with him right now? Um, I got nothing. I really, I got nothing. Dylan didn't improve. He's been the same guy and again has fallen off. Romeo is the same now as he was last year. Christian has gone backwards. Uh, DeGuara did not develop at all. There's never been a tight end that's developed here um, and gotten even slightly better. I, I mean, Quay, I don't think, is better. He's kind of the same guy he was last year. I mean, the, the grades at least would indicate that. Maybe he's a little better. I don't know. I mean, that's Joe Barry's whole thing. He's a linebacker's coach. Um, I don't know. I have no idea. Who's developed under Joe Barry? He's clearly not developing coaches under him. And same thing for the, the floor. Right. You know, they we lost we lost Hackett, and he promoted Stenovich. And how is that gone? And is Stenovich growing? You know, Dick Buckus. How is he doing as offensive line coach? I mean, these people are not getting better under right. the floor. Right. And, you know, as far as Jordan Love goes, I mean, again, you know, I was a big supporter. And, and I'm not saying they should, they should make the change now. They probably can't. They got to, they got to keep him in there and, and, and make sure they're making the right decision here. But I'm just telling you, he's not it. He's just not eating. He's just not, he's just not passing the smell test at this point. I mean, I, I decided that at halftime last night. It just, you, you can only see so much of it, and it's just, he's just not the guy. So they're going to have to come to terms with that very quickly and transition. So, um, again, fateful decision. That far, that, that, that Rogers contract is just killing them. I mean, again, you got to remember, there's $40 million on the books this year that's going to a guy who's rehabbing on Achilles. So, you know, I don't want to hear that, you know, well, you know, we should have kept Rogers. No. He was gonna. He was gonna get injured. Okay, that's just how. That's how the football guys work. Okay, I mean. Yeah, like I said, it's it's. That's really not much of an option. It just. It really isn't. There's no option that says the best path for the future is keep Rogers. Rogers doesn't want to be here. He doesn't want to play here. He doesn't even want to play football anymore. Even if, well, if they didn't draft Jordan Love, okay, fine. So what does that mean? They didn't draft Jordan Love. By his own admission, he doesn't win MVP. We don't have a quarterback. We don't have a future. And Rodgers maybe is still playing, maybe not. Is he playing at a high level? Is he playing healthy? For how long? One year? Two years? For what purpose? Are we winning Super Bowls? You want Matt LaFleur fired because he can't get the job done. We're going to win Super Bowls with Matt LaFleur. You hate everything about this team. You hate the, the coach. Not talking about you, Mike. I'm just talking about, you know, the, the idea of Rodgers stays and then what? Devontae didn't want to be here anymore. But even if he was, we got the wrong coach, the wrong players, the wrong GM, and that just completely ignores the part about Aaron Rodgers not being able to get the job done when it counts. So for what? For for just just because we want to win a few more games for a few more years, and then he retires and we're right back here. I mean, what what is the plan? 
That's not a plan. Yeah, Jordan Love is probably a swing and a miss, but it it it, it was necessary that we find a quarterback because Rodgers is not going to be here for very long. That was always the problem that we had to face. And so what is the solution? We need to find a quarterback. And, and ideally, Jordan Love is that guy. It's not looking great, but ideally he's the guy. And if he's not, then we find somebody else. But, you know, I, I, and I, you know, I don't know if anybody even still is thinking this anymore, but for those that are, just to be very clear, that's not an option. The, the question is, and, what, and has been for a long time, what does life after Rodgers look like? That's still an answer that needs, a question that needs answering. That's what we need to figure out. What, what, how do we do it again? How do we run this thing back? How do we get back on top? How can we do it as quickly as possible? Obviously, the answer starts with, I mean, it's, it's, it's quarterback and coach. That's, that's where it all starts. Do we have the right coach, first of all? Do we have the right quarterback? If not, we got to find him immediately. You know, I mean, that's, that is the most important pairing that we need. And then beyond that, everything else just kind of, We'll, we'll go from there. But the sooner the better, because we do have a lot of talent on this team, but it ain't going to last forever. Every year, Jair gets older. Rashawn gets older. You know, Razul isn't going to be here forever. Devondre's not going to be here forever. You know, Elton Jenkins is already dealing with issues. Aaron Jones isn't going to be here much longer. So if we're going to do something, we should take advantage of the, the, the guys that we do have that are working. So, you know, but, but again, that just brings us back to what we've been saying all along. We got to find out what we have and what we don't have. But... The other really important thing is we have to be decisive. And we've seen Brian Gutekunst do it in the past and Mark Murphy do it in the past, and they need to recognize that we are in that moment again. Matt LaFleur probably isn't that guy that's going to make fast decisions. He wants to be patient. He wants to be slow. He wants to do it. We need Iron Fist Brian Gutekunst to come back and say, this year everybody is auditioning, and if you're not the guy, we have to be decisive. And again, that that means Jordan Love too. We can't be looking at it and go, well, it didn't work, but let's give Jordan you know, another year. Let's give Matt another year. Heck, let's give Joe Barry another year. We can't do that. You're either the answer or you're not. Maybe Matt LaFleur, like if it's one bad year, okay. You know, I mean, if we assume that Jordan Love wasn't very good and whatever, maybe he gets another shot, but that's contingent on we need new coaches, we need a new quarterback, and we need immediate results this year. I need to see some improvement. I need to see that you're the guy. I need to see better things out of the locker room. I need to see better preparation. I need to see that, 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 that. But if we're not going to be decisive after this year, then we're, we're I mean, these, these guys have limited shelf lives, man. We, we, we can't be screwing around. I don't want to be overreactive, right? If, if Jordan was a true rookie, then yeah, you, you give him another year. You don't have a choice, but he's not. We got to, we got to, we got to move here, right? Again, identify, but then actually act on it, you know, act on what you're seeing. Well, you know that saying, Ryan? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yes. I wish the team would just stay in Vegas right now. What happens in accounting that performance, man, stays in accounting. I tell you what, you get your hopes up that this was the get right game, and everything seems to go wrong even more. I understand two more injuries really set the defense back, and they somewhat held their own. Uh, but noticeably, guys were out of position on a few plays that could have changed the game. But more, more, uh, uh, according to how I saw the game, the offense just looked horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. I don't know what's going on. No downfield, uh, success whatsoever. 
for the most part, except for one broken up play with Watson, which I still don't understand that play at the end, how that, that happened, but there are just so many, again, I've harped on it over and over again, missed opportunities. There were a lot of missed opportunities in this game. They left points on the board when they should have got touchdowns and instead got field goals. So it is what it is. I'm very disappointed. I'm not calling for Barry's head, that's for sure, but, man, there's a lot to be processed out of this game. I'm out. Yeah, and again, I, I just had a slightly different takeaway in terms of, you know, it's not the fact that we lost. It's just the fact that it just looked bad. Like, it just it looked like a bad offense. And, and listen, we've seen, I guess, at times when the offense has looked dysfunctional. That includes times with Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. That's including times with Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers, where it's like this thing just isn't working. Um, but, but again, it's up to Matt LaFleur to, to, to fix that because we've seen it working. Okay, now we've gone backwards every single week to the point of complete dysfunction. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, fix it, dude. I don't, I don't know, I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to say. Um, I know that things aren't perfect. It's not a perfect environment, but nobody's operating in a perfect environment. Some teams have better situations, obviously. Um, least amount of experience, but you know, again, I'll I'll put that back on Matt Lafleur's shoulders a little bit in terms of you know leaning on guys too much like maybe even being too creative like the the blocking schemes and stuff were, were just silly and and you know some of the you know expecting guys like ben sims and tucker craft to come up and and make plays to where you know if if these guys mess up then the whole play's dead I'm like well maybe we should rethink that a little bit um but again at the same time you say simplify and it's like well that was the problem with this game they oversimplified well if, if we do too much then our guys can't handle it. If we do too little, then we don't have an offense. You know what I mean? Like we just look this, like this dink and dunk piece of crap offense. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, guys got to step up for sure. Uh, Jordan has to play better. The wide receivers have to play better. Um, and I, I mean, if if we're going to attack Matt Lafleur, I at least need to see guys doing their best. You know, I mean, if if this game had happened where. When Jordan threw it, they were good passes. And when passes got to receivers, they caught it. It would be a lot easier to look at Matt LaFleur and just say, the guys played, there was just no opportunities. But I'm watching a game where the offensive line can't play, the quarterback can't play, the wide receivers can't play, the tight ends can't play, aside from maybe Musgrave, although he graded out terribly. Um, you know, our, our highest graded players were Ben Sims and Josiah DeGuara, for crying out loud. Like, nobody performed in this game. So it's hard to look at Matt and be like, yeah, he probably is the problem here. It's not that guys can't run routes. It's not that guys are running to the wrong parts of the field. It's not that Jordan can't throw a pass accurately. It's not that guys can't catch passes. It's not that. It's it's Matt LaFleur wasn't scheming guys open. Like, you know, maybe. That could be. That could be part of it. But I don't know about that. Anyways, uh, we'll take one more break. We got three calls from Seth coming up here. But um, uh, if you wouldn't mind supporting the podcast, I know it's, it's a bad time to ask, but I feel like we're not going to be, there's not going to be too many good times to ask. Uh, you know, things are always better when, um, when things are better. But, um, if you're interested, if you, if you appreciate the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can do that. Um, and we'll leave it at that. You got, we'll take a break. <laughs> we'll be right back. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. <clears throat> hey, Ryan. It's Seth. What's up? Um, just calling to talk a little bit about the game and also... Um, responding to some of the comments that I've heard um, a lot of Packer fans make, but also, um, and I love you guys, so this isn't a shot fired, but I disagree a little bit with both you, um, Clayton, and the crew on the post-game show, um, and so I just thought I'd share my thoughts here. That's you, fine. You That's what it's for. Someone to disagree, and so anyways, I'm not, like, here to bash anyone or anything like that. That's, That's not my goal. You're good, dude. Um, but... Regarding Jordan Love, don't take me wrong, he was bad last night. Um, there's no way around that. Um, but some of the reactions, I think, are a little harsh. Um, we've seen how good he can be um, this year. We've seen some of the wild plays. Um, we've seen some good comebacks. We've also seen some disastrous games. But last game was not his fault, in my opinion. It was O-Line's fault, um, talking two games ago against the Lions. Last night was bad on him. I also thought LaFleur was bad um, from a play call perspective. I just, I just want to stop because you've, you've hit on several different things, and I just want to kind of give my perspective before we move on. I'm already starting to forget everything that you've said. Um, let me see. Uh, I'm trying to read this here. Uh, some of the reactions are harsh. We've seen how good he can be this year. All right, so again, here, here's part of my issue. Num- number one, it kind of depends your perspective. I came into this being very clear what what my issues were and what I needed to see from Jordan Love. And what was the number one thing I said about Jordan Love? It's consistency. At no point this year have we ever seen consistency from Jordan Love. I have said since the preseason, I'm not impressed with the big plays. I need to see consistency because it's one thing to to show off some really nice plays if you're doing that 50% of the time, the other 50% you look terrible. That's that's what bad quarterbacks look like. We've seen Justin Fields do that. We saw Mitch Trubisky do that. They they have the ability to do incredible things, but are so wildly inconsistent. And again, if you look at PFF, he has not had one good game this year. Good plays, yes. Good individual moments, yes. Good half of football games, yes. Good games, no. I don't think he's had a good game this year. Um... Again, you can look at the three touchdowns and be impressed by that if you want, but there's a reason why I said I didn't trust that and I thought it was a fluke, and we're seeing that. The problem is everything that I was afraid of is unraveling before my eyes. It's, it's unfurling. It's, it's, it's developing in front of me. My exact fears about Jordan Love. So that, that's where I'm coming from with this. 
I pictured this exact thing happening and it's happening. Now, other people might have had different perspectives and are looking at it from different ways and had different thoughts and ideas and things that they wanted to see that they're seeing, and that's great. But again, I've been very transparent about my concerns, my fears, and what I need to see. And not one of those concerns that I've had has been fixed. And all of my fears are still there. And I, again, I, I couldn't be more clear about, since the preseason, saying I'm not impressed with occasional good plays. I need to see consistency. And we nobody can disagree that there has been no consistency. Uh, I'm saying it's the offensive line's fault. To some degree, that's true. But the the other side of it is, my, one of the issues I have with Jordan Love is he's terrible under pressure. Ter- on, on deep passes, there's a problem, and pressure. Those are the two specific things I mentioned with him. Number one, he thrived, but what was the biggest critique from from even, even other people watching? It is, it's, it's unrealistic the amount of pressure he has not seen. Like, there's been no pressure on Jordan Love, and that's unrealistic, and pressure is going to come. I, I've been saying that for weeks. Like, what is he going to look like when pressure actually starts to materialize? And it's been disastrous. Like, when there's literally zero pressure, and he throws the ball like 15 times and gets three touchdowns out of that, which is completely unsustainable, that's wonderful. But that's not real life. That's not that's not real NFL football. That's not how it's going to be for the rest of his career. And that's what the, the, the thing is, when real NFL happens, how is it going to happen? And what we're seeing is as pressure is developing, things are unraveling. So, yes, the offensive line has been worse than it should be. There's no doubt. Like I said, 20% is normal. He went from like 5% or even 0%, I think, on, in the one game. I'm not sure. Very low percentage pressure to like 30%. But then again, there's the other part that I said that we can still see how he did when he wasn't under pressure, and it wasn't good. And that's sort of the other problem. It, it's almost as if the pressure in and of itself is causing him, even when there's no pressure, to not be great. And this is kind of late-stage Aaron Rodgers. I think as you get older and you don't handle the 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 recovery and the pain, you know, you, you start to get a little bit more concerned about getting hit. And I, I think Rodgers started to get happy feet those last couple of years, and it was a concern of mine. It was like the one thing I remember when I was watching college guys, and I wasn't super impressed with any of them, but the one thing I liked about Will Levis is that that dude would stand in and make throws and just, he would take the hits. He didn't care. And I saw that and I was like, we need somebody like that. And Jordan seemed to be that guy. And, and I'm not saying he's starting to get happy feet necessarily. He seems to still be keeping his eyes down downfield, but I think his judgment is getting blurred a little bit. And we're seeing even when there isn't pressure, he's not performing as high as he was before when there wasn't pressure. So... The O-line's fault, I mean, the O-line wasn't responsible for the interceptions. I think one of the three interceptions was when there was pressure. Two of them, there was no pressure. So, no, I mean, l- listen, the, the O-line bears some responsibility, as do the wide receivers, as does Matt LaFleur, as do the tight ends and, the blo- and their blocking ability, as does the defense, I guess, to some degree, even though you can't be too mad at the score, but getting off the field and giving them more opportunities would have been nice. But... I'm I'm sorry if I had to pick one person. It's the guy that threw three interceptions in a game where we lost by four points. I mean, it's not hard to figure out what the biggest issue in this game was. It was three interceptions that shouldn't have been thrown. Um, and again, as far as the play calling, again, it's easier to pick on Jordan Love because we watched him. We watched every single time he touched the ball. We saw every decision he made and didn't make. Matt Lafleur is a little bit more nuanced, so it's hard. You know, just because it's not working, it's easy to say, "Well, the play calling sucked." Well, how do you know? Again, he he. He airmailed a pass to Jaden Reed. It was nowhere near him. Jaden Reed was triple covered, and the ball was 10 yards away from him. And he had Romeo Dobbs open across the middle. He also had Musgrave, who ran the wrong route, which isn't great, and that's not Matt LaFleur's fault. 
but also still was an option to throw the ball to. He didn't throw to Musgrave. I don't think he even looked at him. He didn't throw to Romeo Dobbs, who was, I think, the intended target, and there was a window there, and instead chose to chuck it into triple coverage to Jaden Reed. So, again, we look at it and go, see, what's wrong with the scheme? Like, nobody's open. Yes, there was. There was. At least on that play, there was. So I don't think we can criticize scheme until we actually go back and rewatch all the plays and determine, like, th- th- this is just, the, again, it's the, it's the rock, paper, scissors thing. When you call a play and everybody's covered because it was the right defensive call, exact right defensive call against Matt LaFleur, then you look at it and go, okay, this was wrong. If, if we decide to run the ball and everybody's crashing downhill, and then we go and throw the ball and everybody's dropping back, it's like they're reading us like a book. It's like they know what plays we're calling. That's when you start to criticize play calling. But until I know that's the case, I can't just automatically do that. Even granting that I know he was to blame in some situations, I just think people are too quick to blame play calling without actually having any idea whether there was anything wrong with the play calling. All right, I think we're, I think we're caught up. Perspective is like either we're going to run it every play this drive or we're going to pass it. We're not going to have. And, and again, the running thing, it, it's 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 silly to predetermine. You should never do like run, run, pass, or you should never run three times in a row, or you should never. If you run and get four yards as compared to running it zero yards, it changes things. If you get four, let's say you get five yards on on first down. You're, you don't go into a drive and say, we're going to run pass pass or pass run pass or, or whatever. That's, that's silliness. It's situational. On first down, you run, you get five yards. And by the way, running was working, so I don't know why there's so much criticizing the, the decision to run. It was the only thing on the offense that was working. You run and you get five yards. Now it's second and five. This is a great opportunity because if you run and get zero yards... It's third and five. It's still a decent opportunity, but you have an opportunity here if you can get just a couple more to put yourself in third and really short and just open up the entire playbook. So what do you do? What I think you should do probably is run it again, and we did, and usually we get it down to like third and two, and now you just run for eight yards on two drive. It makes sense to try it a third time, and we did, and we convert. Now people are mad like, oh, you're doing run, 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 and run, run, pass, and run. It's situational. And, and you'd have to criticize specifically a certain... And the, and the problem is people would criticize a specific thing just because it doesn't work. Not because it doesn't make sense. Like, if you run on first and second, and you put yourself in a third and two, and you run and you don't get it, was that stupid? No. There's nothing wrong with running on third and two, especially when you ran to to get here. It's just that it didn't get executed. But because it didn't get executed, it's like, well, that was stupid. You run three times in a row, you're an idiot. But yet, what happens if you pass? If you pass and it's incomplete, you idiot, why didn't you run? You you ran for eight yards, did it? You know what I mean? Like, this is what fans do. It's not a matter of, was it stupid? It's a matter of, did it work? And if it works, you're a genius, which is why Matt LaFleur was called, called a genius up until this week, because the offense was working. Oh, look at these play designs. They're brilliant. He's a genius. He's wonderful. Then this week, the offense looks stale, and apparently, I didn't see it, apparently Kurt Banker came out and he's like, oh, this offense is stale. The defense has figured him out. Like, it's all this. It's like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> is, this, is this what we've come to? Like, it, it, we're, we're that shallow thinking. I don't mean you specifically. It's just, it's just the way things work, and I'm just, I'm just tired of it, where it's, you know, if, if it doesn't work, you're an idiot and you should be fired, and if it does work, you're a genius and you should win coach of the year. Like, can we freaking calm down a little bit? Can we have a slight amount of nuance in here where it's like maybe sort of, kind of, or does everything have to be, you know, either give him all the awards or hang him from a freaking lamppost. I mean, it's just, it's a little crazy. Balance. Um, 
so that was that was frustrating. Um, but anyways, I hear some guys saying, okay, he's got five more games to clean it up or, or we're done with him. Or I'll get him to the end of the season, but that's it. And if he still looks bad, I want to see Sean Clifford. One, chances are Sean Clifford sucks. I agree. I mean, the, the Sean Clifford thing is silly. It's not about Sean Clifford. It's a question of, is it Jordan Love or do we draft somebody else? The Sean Clifford obsession is stupid. It's no different than the um, Rasheed Walker obsession. It's no different than the uh, whatever our fourth string running back obsession is. It's you looked impressive against fourth stringers in, in the freaking preseason and in training camp, so you must be some absolute elite player. And then you go up against actual first string guys on, on Sunday in the NFL, and you're not this amazing elite, like, oh, you mean Rashid isn't David Bakhtiari? That's amazing. You mean, uh, what the heck is that? I don't even remember the guy's freaking name. Emmanuel Wilson. Oh, you mean everybody was so mad Emmanuel Wilson wasn't playing. Like, he's he's elite. Why don't you put him in there? We put Emmanuel Wilson, and he played, like, two carries, and then I'm getting people calling in saying, well, I guess he's not the guy. He's a bum. It's like, what? First of all, why did anybody expect him to be something elite? And second of all, why is he a bum now because of, like, a handful of carries? This has nothing to do with Sean Clifford or anybody else. Is it possible he could be a good... Yes, yes, it's po- like Like, anything is freaking humanly possible. It's possible that I can get bit by a spider and get superpowers. Like, you know, I mean, who knows? You never know. There could be some kind of a virus that gives you superhuman strength. You know how, like, we... we what is it? We access, like, 10% of our brain power or whatever. They've made movies about it where, like, you can unlock the other 90% or whatever. Who knows? Maybe, maybe you get bit by a spider and it just unlocks your brain and you're a freaking super genius. And then, you know, I'm going to know everything and I'm going to use that to bet on football games and win like, you know, a thousand bucks or something. It's going to be crazy. But it, it's just, at some point, we got to try to be a little bit rational. And, and you know, I mean, the crazy thing is these, these are not 13-year-old kids, I'm guessing. These are grown adults who have watched football their whole life. And it's like, I shouldn't have to explain this to you. I should not have to explain to you that Sean Clifford looked okay, like every single backup quarterback we've ever had. And it's like every year we go through this. He's a backup quarterback, and he looks good. And then half the fan base is obsessed. Like, they're still obsessed with Kurt Bankert, and I honestly have no idea why. We got, uh, the heck is that guy? I think he's with the Jets now. People are obsessed with him and Taysom Hill. And are like, what's Taysom doing? Should we have kept Taysom because he's like a running back, tight end, quarterback hybrid? And Taysom, I mean, honestly, Taysom, Taysom was the one that I, I bought into. And, 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 and that's as good as it gets. Like, I would, Taysom Hill was freaking elite, dude. Like, as a passer. Like, elite, elite, elite as a passer. On top of his running ability and everything else. So, I, I was in on Taysom. I still like Taysom. I think he's a good football player. He's just not a great quarterback. Sean Clifford is nowhere near as good as Taysom Hill was. And that dude's a backup and a gimmick. So, yes, is it possible? Sure. Yeah, it's possible. Anything's possible. Is it likely? No! It was unlikely Jordan Love was going to be a good quarterback. And he was a first-round draft pick. Sean Clifford's a fifth-round pick. Get that crap out of your head. It has nothing to do with Sean Clifford. Jordan Love gets all year. He gets all year, and then you have to make a decision. And I'm guessing, Seth, you're going to disagree with that. And again, under different circumstances, fine. If he's a true rookie, fine. But under the current circumstance of this is year four for you, you know, and I know it's your first year as a starter, but I, I can't give you five years you know, I mean, it, it depends. It depends the situation we're in. If we if we have if we're in striking distance of a quarterback, we're getting a quarterback. If we're not, then whatever. I guess we're not. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna replace you with a third stringer just because. 
But I'm not passing up a quarterback, I guess would be my stance on that. Um, maybe he's good, but the chances are a lot slimmer that he's good than that Jordan Love is good. And we right. see the talent of Jordan Love. He just has to put it together. Right, but and here's the thing. I'm not going to go down the road that I made fun of Bears fans for. Well, look at the talent of Justin Fields. Look at the talent. Look at the talent. Look at the talent. I know. I know. You know who else had talent? Zach Wilson had talent. Mac Jones had talent. These guys all have talent. They all had talent in college and still currently have arm talent and make wonderful throws occasionally. That isn't the, that isn't the question, though. There's so much more that goes into being a quarterback than, like, can you do cool stuff once in a while? Like, this isn't the Harlem Globetrotters, dude. This is... This is this is NFL football. Um, I someone was given uh, knocking his uh, Jordan Love's post and pre-snap reads, and actually his post and pre-snap reads normally are very good. It's one of the things. Well, and that was the thing that started get me into being a believer. Um, was exactly that. It, it was post and pre-snap reads and 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 the fact that he was just executing like a freaking mercenary out there like it was just and, and and it worked in in concert with matt lafleur right it was a very simplified thing it's it's just as long as you're making the right reads and can throw the throw usually right across your face across the middle right as you know on time the timing was great all that was great that's that's what got me to be a believer it was just a matter of we got to tighten up the accuracy and we're good and now you know again this is where i'm talking about regression now I'm starting to question that. And now I've got people, I forget who it was, was talking about like one of the one of the issues. Oh, it was Tiki Barber, I think, or Rondé Barber, Tiki Barber. I don't know. I think Tiki, right? Or no, Rondé. Who was the corner? I don't remember. One of them was a Giants running back. One of them was a corner. Anyways, he was looking at it and he was talking about how he's really late with his throws, which obviously was the case with the throw to Christian Watson. But that 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 was never the case early on, that he was slow getting the ball out of his hand. And now there's critiques about him being really slow with his reads and slow with the, getting the ball out. And again, this is new. Just like, you know, Matt LaFleur suddenly is a terrible play caller. Jordan Love suddenly is really slow with his reads and not making right reads, which is my concern. Like, why are we regressing? Right? That's the big question. So you're right. Like, that, that, was, that was never a weakness prior to. But suddenly it's like, well, now we don't have a play caller and suddenly Jordan can't make reads and he's late with the throws. And like, I don't know. And again, that's just one person's assessment. Maybe, maybe other people would disagree, um, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't exactly know what's going on and why things are getting worse. And, and again, this could be because of the increased pressure. And that doesn't mean it's because he's under pressure. It just means now that he's seeing pressure, his his mind is not working properly. Right? It's racing, so he's not he's not seeing the field as well as he should, and that's a problem because you're going to have to be able to continue to operate even in hostile environments. And if that's starting to devolve because the pressure is increasing and he's starting to panic, that's a problem because pressure doesn't go away in the NFL. You're not going to get back to that, you know, zero pressures in a game nonsense. Like that's just, that's unrealistic fairy tale nonsense. That Kurt Warner and the QB school guy compliment him on watching his tape. Last night, did he have some bad reads? Of course. That's why he had three interceptions. Um, specifically back to last night, I you know, we got to remember on that final drive, he had two first downs dropped by his wide receivers. And I, th- I just think people are putting too much on that. We had an entire game of bad play 
from Jordan Love. And two, I'm supposed to be upset about two drops. He had more picks than he had drops. Actually, it was the same number, I guess. But I don't know. I, I just, that, that doesn't phase me as much. Like, two drops in a game is not a massive thing. That's pretty standard. I mean, maybe one to two drops in a game, I think, is, is normal. Uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not saying it's okay. It's not okay. And it just it contributes to a larger like what is going on with everybody. But I'm 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 not going to that that changes so little in this game in my mind. I just I don't I don't know. I don't know. And and again, what 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 did that change down the down the street? If they catch it, what changes? The game ended on an interception. Like I said, if if that ended in a punt or a missed field goal or some some kind of a thing, like if, if we went out on downs. Then you look at it and go, yeah, the wide receivers specifically screwed us at the end of the game. But you're still looking at a much larger picture. That isn't like Romeo Dobbs dropped one pass. Like, oh, wow, yeah, fire that guy. Like, it's one mistake. I'm looking at Jordan Love like, there's like nine off the top of my head. Um, so, yeah, I just, I don't know. That that doesn't, I'm, I'm not happy with the drops. But, I mean, what, what, is, what does Romeo have this year? How many drops does he have? Romeo Dobbs and Jaden Reed, or excuse me, and Luke Musgrave have one drop this year. That was their only drop of the entire season. Christian Watson has one. A.J. Dillon has one. Jaden Reed has two. Aaron Jones has two. Aaron Jones has played in two games and he has two drops. I'm just, I'm not going to start getting my tiki torches out because Romeo Dobbs had his first drop of the season in, in week five. You know what I mean? Like, it's 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 not good, but I mean, whoopty freaking do, it's a drop. I don't know. I just, it that's not... It's not doing it for me. And the Musgrave one was behind him, so I'd say that's on Jordan. But also, Musgrave's got to—you got to come up with some catches for your guy. Right. I don't. I'm not excusing um, it. It's just. And I disagree with. I'm going to call back in because I'm going to run out of time. All right. We're running a little late, but let's get through these three calls. I'll try to talk. Less. Hey, Ryan, it's Seth again. Hey. Um, I wanted to just continue in the conversation. Um, I disagree with um the statement that. Jordan Love had good pass protection um, last night. Um, he did not. Max Crosby was in his grill all night. One time, Max Crosby ran from the right tackle all the way around to where the left guard, left tackle would be untouched to, um, in about two seconds flat, put pressure on him, which is bad by the alignment. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's he had he was pressured on 30% of his dropbacks, which is high. It it's generally 20 to 25%. Um but it wasn't nearly as bad as it was 2 weeks ago. And one time he ended up on the ground. Um so I mean, this wasn't the worst thing in the world. I is certainly upset by a lot of the scheme stuff. Like I said, I mean, uh, Max Crosby did not win a lot of one-on-ones against our guys. The, the problem was he came unblocked and, and went toe-to-toe with tight ends too often for some reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you just look at the statistics, he wasn't just whooping our guys. It was, it was well, it was a lot of scheme stuff and, and confusing people and all this nonsense. So um, yeah, I, I, I don't think I necessarily made the case that there wasn't pressure or that there wasn't a lot of pressure. Maybe I did mistakenly say that, but... Um, no, I, I, again, he was, he was under pressure more often than normal. It certainly wasn't a, a, a completely unsustainable or, or unbearable kind of a situation. Um, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, it, 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 it was bad, but we, again, like I said, it, it's, he, he plays 
too poorly under pressure, not good enough with no pressure. And um, but but you're right. I mean, the the offensive line does bear some responsibility. Like like I've said, and I've I've said everybody bears some responsibility on the offense. I can't think of anybody that doesn't bear some. Maybe AJ Dillon gets a pass on this week, but otherwise, it's not great. That's not that creative of a stunt. If you can't figure out how to pass off an alignment, like what are we doing? Yeah. Um, if he goes around, every guy shifts down. This isn't hard. Um. So, and while he maybe did have time to throw, lots of his throws last night, he was thrown off his back foot because of pressure. He had a guy in his face, um, or he was on the run. I will say, I think Jordan loves some of his best-looking balls are when he's on the run. I'm wondering if we should do some more, like, play-action boot. Um, get him out of the pocket, let him throw on the run, or if there's a running lane open, run it. Um, also, that last play of the game, it was an incredible catch by the DB, but if you look at it, he totally – he was running because he was behind. He totally runs, pushes off on Watson with one arm, turns and jumps at the same time. I mean, it was defensive pass interference. I think either the ref didn't want to throw a flag that way or he got caught up by how cool of a play it looked like and didn't throw the flag. So I thought we should have gotten pass interference there. Of course, those plays are bang, bang. Um, I, I don't really have a problem with that throw. In my opinion, it's pass interference, and even if it's not, that DB made an incredible play. It, it re- I mean, maybe I'm misremembering, but that's – Absolutely not my recollection at all. I mean, it was Christian Watson had a step on him, and that ball was so unbelievably late. Christian Watson had to stop and try to come back for. I mean, it was he was open. He was open. The ball was just so unbelievably late that the DB was able to get back there and and pretty easily, I recall, get the ball. Um, so I absolutely have a problem with that throw. That was well, I won't say it's the worst throw because the the one that hit the Defender right in the chest was probably worse, but that was that was brutal. Can he maybe put a little bit more on? Is my recollection, anyways. But yeah, I mean, that, there was there was no chance. I mean, even if it's a fifty-fifty ball, you put it up high and away, where where hopefully only your guy can catch it. This was like a lob. When you know, again, he had separate. There was separation, and then he had to stop and come back, and the the DB had time to catch up, and it, he didn't have to work very hard to get the ball. Sure. Um, I also uh, thought, real quick, side thought, Watson, there was that deep ball that loved, he put air under it like LaFord and Coach and Lutz do, and it looked to me like the ball landed like two yards away from Watson, and he just didn't want to come back to the ball. Like, if he had come back, it was an easy catch and touchdown, because he, he had the guy deep, Love released it before he was out of his break. It's not like he was just way off. He just put air to the ball to give Watson a chance. Um, anyways... Like I said, don't take me wrong. I thought love was bad, but um, this is a two-year thing that we need to give him time to to watch. We've invested a lot. This is not a five-more game thing, a one-year thing. This is a two-year thing. The only exception in my mind for that is if we can get Caleb Williams. But all right, talk to you later. Yeah, and that's that's an important thing. It's not get rid of him at all costs. It's if if we're in striking range. And, and and I don't know who the Packers are going to be in love with. I mean, obviously Caleb is is automatic, but I doubt we're going to have the first pick. Um, 
you know, that then you look at Drake or, or whoever else, you know, if, it, I mean, it, it, again, it's not at all cost. It's not, we need to just burn this with fire. So take whoever, whatever bum quarterback, some Mac Jones guy that you feel might, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that, um, but it, it's, it is, we need to start looking. And, and if, uh, you know, if, if somebody does, if somebody you really like is available, you take them. Um, and, and again, just to clarify, this is me saying, if this continues, I'm not done with Jordan Love. Uh, again, my stance still is the only guy I'm done with is Royce. <laughs> and even he could work his way back into, you know, my good graces here. But um, I'm not done with anybody. I'm just making a very clear statement that that was a horrifically bad performance. And I'm not going to make excuses for it. I'm not going to blame two drops. I'm not going to blame scheme. I'm not doing that. That's unacceptable, period. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, and I know he's he's exceptional, but let's just be honest. Aaron Rodgers has had games where guys drop passes and, you know, the scheme isn't great, and we've seen him screaming and swearing at the coaches, so we know exactly when he doesn't like the scheme. And he doesn't go out there and put up, you know, whatever, 150 yards, zero touchdowns, and three picks. You know what I mean? I mean, th- th- there is there is just a, a certain line that no matter what, you don't cross it. From a statistical standpoint, like, you can't do that. You can't sabotage your team and be the the reason your team lost. Like by t- to where it's not even questionable. To to where the offensive line played poorly, the receivers played poorly. There's questions about the scheme, and despite that, I can't even cut you any slack because it was that bad. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't panic. You can't start trying to play hero ball. You can't. It's you know th- this isn't college, dude. You, you gotta you gotta be a little bit more cautious. The gunslinger thing is great, but, you know, right now we're getting all the negatives of the gunslinger attributes and none of the positives. So, um, you know, again, I, I it is what it is. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe maybe that we come back from the break and we start to see the positives from Jordan Love and, and things start to look great and we get Christian Watson involved and, you know, Jordan starts to calm down and we get that execution and everything's smooth and, and this was all, we panicked for nothing. All I'm saying, and let me reiterate this for the 900th time, is that if this continues, we have to make changes. And I don't think it has to be two years for Jordan Love. I don't think it has to be that. I think if he was a rookie, fine. But considering they've put this much time into him, and and believe me, these are the problems they had with Jordan to begin with. They were hoping that this wasn't going to happen. Now they're seeing it. And 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 again, GM Brian Kudekunst said, we'll have an idea of who Jordan is by midseason. That's a very specific statement to make. That sounds like... They're, they're ready to formulate an opinion early as compared to like if he was a rookie. So when I say he needs to step it up, it's not just because of my standard because nobody gives a crap. I'm not the GM. I don't get to make decisions. Everybody else gets to make up their own mind. Uh, a, a Mr. Superfan is already out. Many people still believe he's the guy. You know, we're all, we all have our own opinions. But what matters is when are the Packers going to make up their mind? And according to the GM, that's going to be midseason this year. And we're almost there. And where we stand right now, based on every single metric, is that he is a subpar quarterback who occasionally makes good plays like everybody else does. So there is urgency here. I want desperately, I'm not rooting against him. Please be very clear on that. I am. I, I desperately want to come out of this break and have Jordan Love throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns against the Broncos. That would make me beyond happy. And I hope it happens. And it's possible. It's entirely possible. If he can throw for three touchdowns, the first two weeks in a row, and now we go up against a historically bad defense, it's sitting there for you. 350, 
four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Christian Watson breakout game. Aaron Jones is back. Like I'm like put it out there, man. I don't want to have to find a new quarterback. I don't want to have to do that. I don't want to be stuck in purgatory for I I got a Bears fan reaching out on Twitter saying, "Hey man, I know how you feel. Welcome to hell. Welcome to purgatory, man. I got your back." It's like I mean, thank you, but I don't want to be here. So yeah, I would love it if Jordan came out and did that. But what I will not do is make excuses. I'm not doing it. Not letting the Bears fans get away with it. I'm not letting Vikings fans get away with it. I'm not letting Lions fans get away with it. I'm not letting Packers get away with it. There is an expectation of level of play. And you're either there or we look elsewhere. You know, I mean, I I was a big fan of Jordan. I was a big fan of Josh Myers. Excited for him to take a step. And now we have to seriously entertain replacing him. And that pisses me off. Same with John Runyon. Right? I never really liked the run blocking, but you know what? He's a top-tier pass blocker, so we're good to go. I was excited about him, and now I have to acknowledge that maybe he's not the freaking guy, and I'm not happy about it. Matt LaFleur. I was all in on Matt LaFleur. I mean, again, critiques about a lot of other things, but he's a good player. Now I have to seriously question whether or not he's the guy. I'm not done with him. It's one thing. I'm trying not to overreact. I'm trying to tell everybody else not to overreact, but you do have to at least dip your toe in the water and say, this is possible. If this continues... We have to acknowledge all these things. Dylan's got to go. Runyon's got to go. Meyer's got to go. Matt's got to go. Jordan's got to go. I don't want that to be the case, and I want as many of those guys to step up as possible. If we got to get rid of Matt and find a new coach for Jordan because Jordan's looking good but the scheme sucks, fine. That's what it is. I don't think that's how it's going to play out. But, you know, NFL seasons are short, and there's only so many games, and so that, that kind of factors into why there's such overreaction to everything. Because it's not like baseball where you got 20 games to evaluate in the same span that you've got one football game to evaluate. You know, we, we, we barely have got to see any of our players and we're, we're cruising like a third of the way through the season so far. So we, we do, to some degree, have to make some, some fast and sweeping decisions here. We'll see where it's at. So anyways, uh, I'm not going to get to Seth's call because it doesn't look like he's... It sounded like he kind of wrapped up his thoughts. Uh, we'll start off tomorrow with... Uh, Seth, because we're running kind of late here. But I appreciate everybody calling in. Again, please don't feel free to, or please do feel free to call in and disagree. I really do appreciate when you do. In fact, I think most people do, at this point in time, disagree with me on one thing or another. Um, Try not to be harsh. I'm just, you know, laying out exactly why I believe what I believe and think what I think. And again, you can think whatever you want. It doesn't bother me. But um, just for the sake of clarity, I suppose. So I appreciate that. You guys have a good rest of your night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.